Nothing like the twists and turns and the speed of a roller coaster. You know, I broke my foot yesterday. Yeah, ah, oh, brutal. I'm supposed to see an orthopedic surgeon. If there's one in the house, if you go by the kiosk afterwards, I'd appreciate it. I have the x-rays and everything. You can <laughs> tell me the ne next step I need to take. Ah, okay. I'll tell you about this later, but right now I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> but I will tell you about it. I have some fond memories of roller coasters. I really do. I remember as a kid, we would vacation at a little place called Myrtle Beach. Have you ever heard of Myrtle Beach, anyone? Yeah. Okay. There's nothing like Myrtle Beach. There was this arcade there with all the different games and rides. It was the pavilion. And as a little guy, there was this roller coaster. I'm talking about old school wooden roller coaster. And its name was the Swamp Fox. Is that a great name? I used to stand there as a kid and watch people. Click, 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 click. And when the cars were going slow, up, 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 up the mountain, all the people would have their hands in the air. Yeah! All the people and all the cars. Whoa! And then all of a sudden, when the bottom would drop out, and the swamp fox went like straight down. All those people who had their hands in the air suddenly had a white knuckle grip on the safety bars of the swamp fox. And you would hear them scream, grown men like seventh grade girls. Ah! There's nothing like a roller coaster. And finally, I was old enough to ride it. And the swamp fox, I think it's the last roller coaster I've ever I've ever been on. I have great memories of the Swamp Fox. I would say that Easter was a roller coaster experience. I mean, if you take the weekend of Easter, think about that experience. Up and down, twists and turns. Things were just happening that shocked and surprised everyone. It was like a roller coaster. It was like a roller coaster in our Savior's life. It was a roller coaster definitely in the disciples' life. And especially it was a roller coaster ride in the life of a guy I'm going to spend just a little bit of time talking about 
Simon Peter. You've probably heard of him before. You might have heard him called Saint Peter, Simon Peter. He was one of the first chosen by Jesus. He left his fishing business to go into the soul business. Whenever the disciples are mentioned in the Gospels, Simon Peter's name is usually at the, at the first. He was the de facto leader, impetuous, instinctive, intense. He was a, he was a roller coaster. And it's sort, of, it's sort of humorous because when Jesus saw him early on, he goes, I'm gonna give you a nickname. I'm gonna call you The Rock. And I'm sure when he called Simon Peter the rock, the other disciples were face palming. They were like texting each other. Are you believing Jesus said that? This guy's an idiot. He's not a rock. He's everywhere. He, he's a roller coaster, not a rock. That's what Jesus called him. I love that about Jesus because when Jesus sees you and me, he sees the potential. He sees what we can be. Isn't that great? And that's what he did when he saw Simon Peter. So Simon Peter was on this roller coaster, yet he, he struggled in so many areas, and he struggled because of distance. Distance. I've been in a lot of airports in my life. I've been in private airports. I've been in public airports, I've, I've been in municipal airports, I've been in airports around the world, I, I've, I've been in airports. Lisa and I were in Miami International Airport several days ago, flying back to Dallas. If you follow me on social media, you'll, you, you, you would see Lisa with her backpack, with our little dog, you know, peering out of the backpack. Anyway, I'll, I'll tell you about her in a second. Ava is her name, I just wanted to say that. But airports, are really about distance. You've got some people, and I mentioned this at Claude Warren Park, some people are creating distance. They're, 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 they're flying a long, a long way. They're, they're, they're getting out of town to some destination. And there's sadness on the other end because distance is created. The loved ones are like down. On the other hand, go to an airport and people watch. Sometimes there's like, celebration because the distance has been closed and people have returned and some people have, 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 have made these return trips who've been away for months, sometimes years. Distance. When I, when I say distance, I, I, I think about Simon Peter because on one hand, he was on track. I mean, he was, he was tracking with Jesus, yet he got off track and develop some serious distance between himself and the Lord. Easter is a time of distance. It's a time where the God of the universe closed the distance between himself and man. Our distance was created because of our disobedience, because of our sin, because of, of our depravity. Yet God, because he loves you and me so much, because God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to make up the distance. I mean, Jesus went the distance for you and me on the cross. And while he was dying on the cross, the Bible says 
the sins of the world were poured out on the sinless one. All of your sins, all of my sin, past, present, and future, poured onto the life of Jesus. While Jesus was dying on the cross for our sins, God the Father couldn't look at him. God the Father had to create distance because God is holy, he's righteous, he can't look at sin. Jesus, though, died on the cross for our sins, and we know on Easter, he rose again. He conquered death and sin. We have this power on tap called the resurrection power for your marriage. Maybe you're like, man, my marriage is off track. Well, the resurrection power is, is out there for you. Uh, for your career, I just don't know which way to go. It's on tap for you. You're struggling with a situation that no one really knows about, a habit that's really messing you up. You can't seem to shake it. The resurrection power is available. The reason I, I, I love, well, many reasons I love the Bible, it's God's word, but the reason I, I, I love reading about someone like Simon Peter is you see his strengths and weaknesses, and that's something that we can all identify with. And if you've ever like, like gotten off track, I have before. If you've ever disappointed God, I have before. If you've ever denied the Lord, which we all have, then we have a lot in common with, with Simon Peter. And this guy was a part of Christ's squad, man. His posse. He said, after they rented the upper room restaurant with the Last Supper and all that, he was arguing about who's gonna be the greatest. Simon Peter was. What? And then Jesus talked about his death, burial, and resurrection. And Simon Peter was like, oh, he got up in Christ's face, literally, and said, I'll never turn my back on you. Pride. Whenever, you've, whenever you have a distance issue with, with the Lord, pride will always well up in our lives. Every time. Pride is unique. You know, pride is the forerunner of all sin. You can't have out of control anger without, first of all, being prideful. You, 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 you can't lust without being prideful. You can't be materialistic without being prideful. We're, we're just prideful. We're prideful people. And it's part of our depravity. Maybe you, maybe you wrote that on Instagram. Maybe you posted that picture just because of, you know, pride. Maybe you, you dropped that name just because of what? Pride. Maybe you, you said that humble brag just because of pride. We'll, we'll confess every sin out there but we will not confess pride. I've never heard someone say, oh, yeah, I'm just prideful. That's my deal, man. <laughs> and we see it in Simon Peter's life. So Simon Peter's like, his hands are up in the air. Whoa, this is awesome. I'm gonna ride this roller coaster, Lord. I'm the rock. And then all of a sudden the bottom drops out. Ah! And he crashes and burns. This is Simon Peter we're talking about. Jesus has called him the rock. I wonder what nickname Jesus has for you. Because I can bet you cash money, whatever it is, he knows it, and it's your potential. It's what you can be when 
you turn everything over to him. When you walk in sync with him, but could it be that you're off track? Could it be that you are struggling with this, with this disposition, this, this pride? You show me somebody who has a disposition issue, and I'll show you somebody who is following Jesus at a distance because the Bible says that Simon Peter, I'm talking about during crunch time, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, that Simon Peter, after Jesus was arrested, when they frogged marched Jesus from, talking about a roller coaster, from, and we were just there a couple of months ago with about 200 people from Fellowship Church, from the Garden of Gethsemane, down the Kidron Valley, up to Caiaphas' house, then down again to Jerusalem, then click, 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 up Golgotha where he was crucified, then down into the tomb, and then Jesus burst forth with resurrection power. I'm talking about a roller coaster. So Simon Peter was off the tracks. He'd crashed and burned because because here, here he had said, oh Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'm, I'm, I'm your boy, I'm the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, the tower of fishing and discipleship power. And Jesus said, hey, before your Apple watch vibrates on your wrist, you're gonna deny that you knew me three times. I just made the Apple watch up. Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me. So the, the Bible says, when they arrested Jesus, check this out, Luke twenty-two fifty-four. 54, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at, say it with me, a distance. What's up with that? How do you follow somebody at a distance? I mean, Jesus doesn't do distance. Jesus, I'll say it again, doesn't do distant discipleship. I know you know that I have this broken foot. And I know you're thinking, man, I, I would really love to know, Ed, how you broke your foot. Well, I'll tell you, even though if you don't wanna know. <laughs> Yesterday, our dog, one of our dogs got out, Ava. And I, I've had all sorts of dogs. Here, here's Ava's picture. I've had all sorts of dogs. and. We've had Dobermans and Bull Mastiffs and Connie Corsos and all these dogs over the years. We rescued Ava from Hawkins, Texas, and I love her. She weighs 7.2 pounds. She's maintained that weight for eight years. It's unbelievable. She eats like a, like a horse. And I don't know, I just, I don't know what it is. And my family makes fun of me because I love her so much, but that's a whole nother issue. She's mean. She is aggressive. I mean, our, our Dobermans, they would cower. Our Connie Corso, Google a Connie Corso. They're like pit bulls on steroids. I mean, I like, anyway, Alpha, she, she'll run off like that. She's a constant hunter. Anyway, she got out yesterday, which she'll do. I'm like, oh, it's a beautiful day. I look and across the street, there she is kind of milling around in my neighbor's front yard, which she normally doesn't do. Normally when Ava runs off, she's like a greyhound, arr, 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 gone. I mean, you, she's, she's out. Well, we have a busy street near our house and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And so I call her, Ava, 
Ava, I'm, I'm trying to be kind, you know, but you're mad. Dog owners, you understand. When, you're, when your dogs disobey you, you're like, oh, you know, Ava. And then I thought, okay, I'll use some, some, some canine psychology. Because whenever she travels with us, you know, like to the coffee shop or, or wherever, you know, I, I, I go, are you ready? <laughs> and when I do that, are you ready? She like perks up and runs to the car, you know, whether it's going to the groomer or whatever. She loves it. Are you ready? So I was even trying that. Are you ready? Are you ready? Nothing. <laughs> it had just rained. You know, it's been wet around here in Dallas. I watched her dig under my neighbor's fence and she was gone. <laughs> I was like, oh. So I'm trying to look through our neighbor's fence and I just walk into their yard. I don't really know them very well. I've met them one time. And wouldn't you know they have a padlock on their gate? Wooden fence, couldn't see. I'm like, well, okay. So I, I walk back to our street and I didn't realize this, but our street just drops off. There's no curb, it drops off like a foot. And so I'm going, are you ready? Are you ready? I have my cell phone. And I take a step in these, in these flip-flops, you know? You might call them, what do you call them? Flip-flops, sandals, you know? They're the rubberized things that are supposed to be so cool. They're demonic. <laughs> I turn my foot over. I heard a, I fell on the street in the yard, blood on my knee, cell phone went flying. And wouldn't you know, right behind me, a couple of millennials were riding their bikes. You might be going, how did you know they were millennials? Because my fall was on social media before they even helped me. And then one of them said, hey dude, that fall was like on fleek. Scoop neck, skinny jeans, whatever. So I'm like, man, you know, I've played sports a bunch. I've sprained my ankles. It's okay. It's okay. So I go in and tell Lisa, she's like, oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. You need to go, Ed, to care now. I said, I'm not going to go to care now. She goes, you really need to go to care now. It could be broken. I said, Lisa, it's not broken. I'm telling you, it's not sprained it, I sprained my ankle a squillion times. It's not. Back and forth, back and forth. Those who are married, you, you understand that, don't you? Am I? Yeah. So finally, I acquiesce, and she was so sweet, and she said, honey, I'll take you. So we drive to Caronel, and the sweet doctor, this, this, this young lady, walks in, shaking her head after the x-rays. Sir, your foot is broken and you need to see an orthopedic surgeon. Wow, so again, if there's an orthopedic surgeon here, just go by the kiosk, <laughs> I'll meet you after this service because I, I really, um, I don't know. But here's what I thought. I was following Ava at a distance. And when you follow Jesus at a distance, you're gonna fall flat on your face every single time, man. Skin your knees. Get all busted up. That's what Simon Peter did. Hey, I'll just follow Jesus at a distance. So he found himself uh, by the fire pit 
outside of Caiaphas's house and he's warming his hands by the fire and girls ask him, weren't you with Jesus? Hey, aren't you a disciple? He goes, no, first denial. Second denial, he doubles down, lies again. Third denial, he brings God in and lies a third time, the first three-peat we see. Pat Riley, Coach Pat Riley made that phrase up. From the Lakers, remember him? Pat Riley? Okay, okay. That was kind of a shout out for all the basketball fans here. So, three times he denied Jesus. Three times. Warming his hands by the fire. So his watch goes off, the rooster crows, and at that precise moment, they're moving Christ to another trial, and the Bible says Jesus looked at Simon Peter right after his third denial. Man, can you believe that? I mean, here you've committed cosmic treason. You've, you've denied Jesus, and you're the de facto leader of the disciples, and Jesus is looking at you, and he didn't look at him with a, a look of judgment, but he gave him a look of disappointment, love, and grace. And the Bible says Simon departed and he went out and wept bitterly. He thought the deal was, was done. I mean, the rock has crumbled under pressure. I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson. He mailed it in. At the most important time, we go back to the garden again. Jesus said, hey, Simon Peter, stay up with me and pray. He's going to sleep. I think he had a my pillow with him. <laughs> Jesus had to wake him up three times. Hey, Simon Peter, pray with me. He's sleeping. Three times. Said all this stuff about Jesus and he's the man. And now a girl confronts him. When you follow Jesus at a distance, you'll struggle with your attitude, but also you'll find yourself surrounded by the wrong people. Some of the time, no, all of the time. What in the world is Simon Peter doing, warming his hands by the fire of compromise with these enemies of Jesus? Go figure. And I'm telling you, I've seen this so many times. When you follow Jesus at a distance, you're gonna make poor relational choices. You're gonna hang out with the wrong they, the wrong people, the wrong crowd. And ultimately, you're gonna get burned, man. That's what happened to him. I mean, could you handle this as bad as Simon Peter did? That's why I can identify with it so much. I mean, wow. Simon Peter, Peter followed at a distance. Well, Simon Peter goes back to the only thing he knows, that's fishing. So he starts fishing again and he thinks, well, Jesus, you know, he's just maybe a young guy with a Messiah complex who had a bag of tricks who just briefly walked across the stage of history and had the opportunity to be with him for 36 months. It's done, Christianity's over. I mean, it's, it's, it's curtains for Christianity. But see, he forgot about 
what Christ said. He was so into himself, he missed what Christ said. He, it was all about Simon Peter, and he missed what Jesus said, because we know what happened. Jesus rose again. He made up the distance. So the death on the cross is just part of the gospel. The full gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. And I wanna, I wanna let you in on the best DM direct message I've ever seen. Mark chapter 16, verse seven. Here's the context. Some people run in and they think they're going to put spices on the body of Jesus, some of his followers. The stone had been rolled away. The grave clothes neatly folded, which means I'll be back. That's all another message. Okay, okay. <laughs> An angel is just, is just sitting there and the angel goes, uh, here's his direct message. And check out what he says. Go tell his disciples, all right, about the resurrection. And let's read these last two, two words together. And 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 Ed and Randy and Pam and Derek and Lisa and Susan and Jamal and Chester and and we serve a God of a second chance. We serve a God who gives us a mulligan, golfers. We don't have very many second chances in the world, do we? Ask the high school student who got cut from the soccer team. Talk to the business person who, who was released because the company was downsizing. Talk to the person who, who has just gotten and just gone through a hellacious divorce. We don't get very many second chances in life, but God is the God yes. of the second chance. Yes. He really is. And I want you to notice something. I'm going to throw out four words to you, and you can research these later. God gave Simon Peter a second chance. So there's a second chance, first term, that's possible. Say possible with me. Possible. It's possible for you. I don't care what you're involved in, how far away you are, how far you've departed, how many times you've denied Jesus with your lifestyle. A second chance is possible because of Easter weekend. Also, notice it's personal. What, what did Jesus do? Jesus met with Simon Peter 101. He'd been, he'd been out there fishing. He thought it was over. And the sun's coming up, and Simon Peter hadn't caught one fish. And this young man, as it was still kind of dark, goes, hey, you guys caught anything? They're like, no. He said, throw your nets on the other side. They did. The nets were packed full of fish. And then when Simon heard that, he thought, that's Jesus. And he takes a step to close the distance. And then over a fire, a fire, you can't make this up, over a fire. Here he had denied Christ, 
at the fire pit outside of Caiaphas's mansion, and now he is with Jesus by the fire on the beach, and Jesus reinstates him, and he confesses Jesus one, two, three times. So it's personal. Jesus is doing the same thing in your life and mine. He called for Simon Peter, but Simon Peter had the opportunity to close that distance. We have a freedom of choice, don't we, to take the step to close the distance. God's done everything, yet that last bit, we take the step of faith or we don't. We either keep the distance from God or we say, God, I'm gonna take a step of faith and close the distance. So say possible with me again. Say personal. Personal. Say private. Private. It was a private setting. And then the fourth thing, public. Public, public. Every time someone was challenged to follow Jesus, they, they were challenged. It was obviously a private decision, but also it went public. And that's why at fellowship, we baptize. Why don't we baptize? Because you're publicly saying, the distance has been made up. I've taken the step. Okay, as we, as we spur the horse to the barn, I know you guys are way up there in the balcony are going, yeah, yeah, what does that mean? Hey, what's up, guys? Spurring the horse to the barn means, you know, the, the, the ride's almost done. I, I want you to look at, at the sea change in Simon Peter's life. All right, the geological plates of his life have shifted. He crumbled, whatever. Now they've shifted because of the grace and mercy of God. How in the world could Simon Peter become one of the most courageous men to ever walk on this planet? I'll tell you why. Because of the resurrection power. I'll tell you why. Because of the Holy Spirit of God. Check out what he wrote in his writings after this fireside chat with Jesus. Okay, the first one. Let's read this first verse. It's about pride. Remember his pride? He's prancing around pride, holding his hands up. Yeah, woohoo! Let's read it together. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Simon Peter wrote that. Here's somebody that dealt with disobedience. Simon Peter did. Let's see what that says. Oh, what? he wrote this. They stumble, I know a lot about that, because they disobey. How about prayerlessness? Remember Jesus said, please pray with me. Please, pull an all-nighter. You fish all night all the time. At least you can pray with me. Let's go to this one. Let's say it together. Be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. How about denial? Well, look what he's saying about denial. Look what he says about denial. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Wow. So that's in the cards for you and me if we close the distance. But again, there's two groups of people here. Just like when I talked about an airport. Some here You've created distance, and, and we have distance because of sin, but you've never closed the distance. God has, 
but the step is up to you and you've never taken that step. You see, God never sends anybody to hell. Hell and heaven, for that matter, are about distance. So when I die, and one out of one die, it's gonna be a distance thing. If I have made the step to close the distance between myself and God, I'll live forever with the Lord. On the other hand, if I've kept my distance from him, if I followed him at a distance, then when I die, God's gonna say, you know what? You kept me at a distance your whole life. And I'm gonna simply give you a greater measure of that in eternity. See, it's your choice. You determine, I determine our destiny. You determine your destiny, I determine my destiny. What's it gonna be for you? I mean, God's brought you here for a reason. You're either in one of two camps. You've either closed the distance or there's distance in your life. Now, seriously, you're gonna tell me you're a follower of Christ when you only come to his house Christmas and Easter? Are you gonna tell me you're a, you're, you're a follower of Christ when, I'm not judging you, I'm just asking the question. Are you gonna tell me you're a follower of Christ and you don't read his word, you don't talk to him in prayer, you're not serving in the church? Seriously. There's no such thing as a distant disciple. It's not in here. So I pray that you make the decision to close the deal. Well, Ed, how do I do it? First of all, admit that there's distance caused by your behavior. I made this decision years ago, caused by my sin. Number two, believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and made the distance up. And number three, take a step of faith and ask Jesus, the resurrected Lord, to come into your life. Because when you do so, you'll discover what life is all about, what being on track is all about. You'll discover it now and forever and ever and ever because forever is a long time. Let's pray. Father, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed here at our many different campuses, whether you find yourself in Miami, Florida, Northport, Florida, Fort Worth, Dallas, South Lake, Frisco, Hawkins, Texas, online. I want to give you an opportunity right now to pray a prayer to bridge the distance between you and God. God's done everything. Jesus lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for all of our distance, all of our disobedience, all of our sin. He rose again. So that's been done. The next step, the last step in it is you stepping over the line and saying, Jesus, take control of my life. So I want to give you a chance to do that. Just simply say, Jesus, come into my life. I, I confess my sins to you and I turn from my sins. I turn away from that and turn to you, Jesus. I acknowledge that, that you did what you said you did that you lived perfectly, that you died 
for all of my sins and that you rose again. And right now, Lord, I give everything to you. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer with me, I'm gonna tell you something, that's the greatest prayer, the greatest step you'll ever make. If God can change the life of Simon Peter, he can change any life here. So Father, we thank you for that. We ask all these things in Christ's name.